Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. Hey, we have been on quite a journey. I'm really excited for our last episode that tracks Jane Nelson's book, Positive Discipline. So what we're going to do today is we'll, uh, we'll recap where we've been just quickly. Then I have three top recommendations for you as you are continuing this amazing work and cultivating your relationship with your child. And there were five tools that Jane specifically mentioned in the last couple of chapters that I thought really applied well to dealing with power struggles. And the flavor of those can look very different, but I see it all the time. I hear about it all the time and I experienced it tremendously uh, often as a parent and to uh, to a large extent, I still do in a different way. Uh, so I am calling out five specific tools, those, those tools that Jane talked about. So first, just want to recap where we've been. We were introduced to the positive approach. We talked about birth order and how that can affect our children. That can be one of the things that affects them. We also did a deep dive into the mistaken goals of our children's misbehavior, the four mistaken goals of behavior. We talked quite a bit about consequences and punishment. And then we, because a misbehaving child is a discouraged child, we really decomposed encouragement and what is that and what um, how can we be encouraging for our children? And then in the last episode, we took a closer look at our own personalities. And one of the aspects of our personalities being our personality priority and um, that being a set of false beliefs that we kind of bring into how we, um, the things that we do, the things that we do um automatically, especially when we're not thinking. So this is our final episode. And I'm very excited to share with you the really the, the top three things kind of going back to basics. You might have heard me say before that there is nothing more sophisticated than the fundamentals. I love that quote from one of my favorite yoga teachers. It's so true. We go back to the fundamentals and we see them in a different way and we can deepen our understanding and our way of showing up. So the first thing is that the feeling behind what we do and what we say is way more important than what we do and what we say. And it's, it's so true. I hear it all the time in students in my classes and with parents that I'm coaching is that um, 
you know, we're so worried about our words and what we say as if the magic is really in the words. It's so not in our words. Even for adults, I mean, we we kind of know this. There are studies that have been done that more than 90% of communication, adult to adult, is not verbal. But for our children, our energy is even more important. Our children have less experience in the world. Our children have less command of the English language. And frankly, I don't care if we're talking about a toddler or a teen. There's a lot of stuff going on in a teen's brain that, you know, mixes things up for them. They absolutely can feel our energy. And so if our energy is a little bit belligerent, if our energy is, I am tugging back and I am winning this power struggle, no matter what our words are, no matter the tools that we use, no matter how sophisticated we think we're being, we're not where we're going to lose. And so is everyone. So our energy behind what we do. So, so, so important. Okay. Second, second thing to keep in mind is that all experience is an opportunity to learn all experience is an opportunity for growth. Now, in positive discipline, the the amazing tool is mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn. And yes, they are. But I I would broaden that to all experience is an opportunity for growth. Because if you, maybe even by accident, you don't make a mistake, but something works really well. Well, that's an opportunity for you to learn. If something is not accidental and you recognize, wow, that worked even more, even better than I thought. But if I did this other thing, I could make it even better. Every experience that we have that we are intentional about is an opportunity for us to learn. The trick is when we're on autopilot, we're not going to take those opportunities because we're just, we're just running uh, subconsciously, kind of like when you're maybe on the phone and you drive home from the grocery store, your your body did that subconsciously. You already knew how to do it. You didn't have to think about it. You're not going to learn from that. You were focused on the conversation that you were having on the phone. And there's nothing wrong with that scenario. But my point is that we can only learn from things that we are uh, that we're conscious about or that we're bringing conscious attention to. Okay, so that's uh, that's great. The third thing that is a, a just the top of the top three things to keep in mind is to have compassion for yourself. You know, this is all a very new way for most of us in terms of show how to show up as a parent. These tools are new. The mindset is new. And the reason that all this is so new to us is because we didn't have all these things modeled for us. This is not, this wasn't the the default environment that we grew up in and that we saw modeled for us, for most of us. And that's not to say anything, um, anything bad about the teachers we had or the you know, our, our parents, they did the very best that they had, 
they could with the tools that they had and with the knowledge they had. And this wasn't modeled for them either. So this is, it's newly emerging. So have compassion for yourself. You wouldn't take a second grader and say, hey, I know calculus, so I'm going to teach you calculus. You can't do that. They have to journey from arithmetic to algebra and geometry and all those good things into calculus. So it's a journey. Have compassion for yourself. I know having compassion for yourself is a lot easier said than done for most of us. And so that's one of the reasons why it's very important who you surround yourself with and community of like-minded others really helps us. When we're in community with other people who share, um, share a goal with us, share a mindset with us, it really helps us to go further faster. So I would invite you to consider that for yourself. Okay, power struggles, people. Power struggles are so common. It's a common way for children to, quote, misbehave, to get a feeling of belonging and significance. And it's very common for us as parents to, um, by default, engage in those power struggles. And so we don't want to do that. So what else can we do? So the, um, the five tools I just wanted to remind us of here, number one, a cooling off period. When we are triggered and when we are flipped out and we've flipped our lids, the most important thing we can do is cool off before we address whatever the problem is, the issue is, the struggle is at the moment. There are many, many ways to do that. And we've talked about those separately, but I'll just remind us of the 30 seconds of deep belly breathing is huge. And you can usually do that wherever you are. If you need to, um, to get by yourself and you're at home, one of um, the techniques that Jane mentions, I think it was a favorite of Rudolf Dreikers, was the bathroom technique. Go to the bathroom, close the door, and for 30 seconds, do that deep belly breathing in just a 2% shift. You're not going to become all zen in 30 seconds, but you will shift if you allow yourself to focus on your breath. Number two, this is not an in-the-moment tool in the moment of a struggle, but it is something that um, that's very, very well worth it. Decide what you will do. Now, this you need to decide before you are triggered. So if you can see a power struggle coming, but you're not triggered yet <laughs> because you haven't engaged yet, then decide what you will do something that's reasonable, you can control yourself as your calm self, um, that's, a, that's a great, great tool. Number three, use fewer words. Now, we talked about that in that our energy is much more important. This is a little bit different flavor. If you're in the midst of, you know, a power struggle and you're trying to disengage, you don't want to be um, 
tugging back on that rope, using fewer words can help you stay a little bit less engaged. Don't, uh, don't get in there and start lecturing or yelling or screaming or uh, whatever your flavor is. Um, so fewer words, take action. You can use nonverbal clues that are obvious or nonverbal clues that you set up with your child in advance, but fewer words. Number three, routine charts are excellent things to have as a structure that can help you avoid engaging in power struggles. Now, of course, you're not going to create a routine chart (laughs) as a struggle is brewing, but if you can, outside of the moment of a struggle, um, make the investment in your time and your energy to get your child involved and create that routine chart and make it something fun, make it something that they're, um, in, they're engaged in, that they are, um, they're into, and that they will come back to, to figure out what's the next thing. And then that way, in the moment of uh, a potential power struggle around bedtime, you can say, hey, what is the next thing on your bedtime routine chart before we have a story or whatever it is? Um, getting children involved, whether it's in routine charts or in anything, meal planning, meal making, cleaning is, uh, is a fantastic thing as well. Just a little plug there for getting the child involved because what you help to create, you're going to be much more willing to participate in. It's just a fact for all of us, not just children. Okay. So that was number four. Number five is something we haven't talked about yet. It's a great verbal tool for those of us who it's just a little bit easier to use our words. And the tool is as soon as fill in the blank, then fill in the blank. There's a couple of things I want to mention about this one. This is a great example of where our energy comes into play. So you need to say this in such a way that it it lets your kid know that you are not super concerned about the when. You're not you're going to be uninvolved until that X, that requirement is met. So I'll just give you an example. So an example that um rings true in our house is as soon as you take the garbage out, I will take you to practice. So soon as X, you take the garbage out, that's the requirement, then I'll take you to practice. Why? That's something that the child typically wants, whether it's a cookie or a ride or whatever it is. Um, So there's so many different ways that that can be said, right? As soon as you take the garbage out, then I'll drive you to practice. That's antagonistic. That's belligerent. That is, I am over you and I have this power over you and I'm not doing what you want until you do what I want. And that's the opposite of the energy that we want. We want an energy that is much, uh, much more neutral And that's what we mean when we say unconcerned. Not that you don't care. Of course, you care about your kid. Of course, you 
you know, would love for them to get to practice, but you are not in control of that because they really do have the control when they decide to do this thing, this X, this requirement, then Y will come. And you're letting them know that they are in control. So I'll just say it in in that kind of a way. Yes, sweetie, as soon as you take the garbage out, then I will take you to practice. And I wouldn't wait around with my arms folded, tapping my feet for them to get, you know, make the quote right decision and get the garbage taken out. No, I would, I probably wouldn't go too far away, uh, but I would, you know, if I were in the kitchen, I might take out some vegetables and start chopping them, or I might, um, you know, kind of pretend to rearrange the pantry or whatever it is, but I, I would stay reasonably close so that I was at the ready. I know where my keys are. I'm not going to um, delay another five minutes after they take the garbage out, but um, I am kind of involved in something else, or at least I appear to be involved in something else if I can't quite get myself there. Maybe I would take out my phone and I would, um, break out my Kindle and I would read a few pages in the book that I'm reading, whatever it is. So there we go. Cooling off period, decide what you will do, use fewer words, leverage routine charts and that as soon as X, then Y. And that's the same. I've seen other people talk about that as the when then. It's the same thing. So that's perfect. So just by way of wrapping up, I wanted to um, to make sure that I said, um, you know, this whole being a parent is of course a journey, right? We as relational parents are choosing to make the journey about the relationship that we cultivate with our child. And that relationship will change as our child grows up and as our child evolves into the adult that they are becoming. Um, So rather than focusing on our child's specific behavior at any moment in time and making that mean that we're failing, we're doing this wrong, we're a terrible parent. None of those things is true. Okay. None of those things is true. We can work to stop taking our child's behavior personally. We can have that compassion for ourselves as we learn from every experience. And I would just encourage you to keep going. You can go back to the uh, the first podcast that we did that reflected Jane's book and kind of, you know, these are cliff notes, I will say, okay, it's not a substitute necessarily. You won't get everything out of these podcasts that you would get from reading the book. Um, you won't get everything out of these podcasts that you would get from joining the, you know, joining a community of relational parents, say, um, or taking a class or signing up for a little bit of parent coaching with someone that resonates with you. Um, but repetition is key and sticking with it 
is key because if you go back, I promise you, if you go back and listen to these seven podcasts again, you will hear them in a different way. You will hear things that you would swear I didn't say the first time around, (laughs) but they're recorded. So, you know, I did. And that's because you have shifted, you have changed how you're showing up and, um, where you are in your journey and you just see things from a different point of view when you've made progress on your journey. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. So repetition is a great thing. I would highly encourage you to do that. And please know that I am here for you. If you ever have a question for me, you can always email me at support at relationalparents.org. You will hear how to join the free private Facebook group, Relational Parents. I have these podcasts. I have a new YouTube channel as well. I encourage you to to do all of these things. And at the time of this recording, my website is under construction, but maybe when you're listening, it is up and running. It's relationalparents.org. I highly encourage you to go out there for all kinds of free resources and to check out other things that are available to you. So until next time, there will be many, many more podcasts to come. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Bye for now. Would you like to interact with other like-minded parents? Maybe ask them or me a question about your child? If so, join the growing community of relational parents at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash relational parents.